Hi, this is Pete and Tim, and it's record time. Now, when was the last time you listened to a full record from beginning to end? Instead of the algorithmic jumble of modern music delivery, just gave yourself over to the careful work of a single artist. That's what we're all about on Record Time. We've put together a 10-album listening experience each season, crossing eras and genres, all for the love of the album. In this, our second season, we're focusing exclusively on live albums. So, smoke, or drink, or whatever you do, and give your time and full mind over to that star of stars, Judy Garland, and her singular accomplishment, Judy at Carnegie Hall, the greatest night in show business history. A modest claim. <laughs> uh, not one that she made, no. um, but one that has been uh, referenced. This was uh, a one-night-only show, Judy Garland at Carnegie Hall, and it's one of the longest albums we've done here on Record Time. And, Ooh, yeah. Um, I was exhausted by the end of this. Yeah. I felt like I was going back to the green room covered in sweat, <laughs> mopping myself down with a towel after this. Wow. And what are we drinking this episode? Well, for those who uh, enjoy a liquid accompaniment to their active listening, we may never have found a more appropriate drink than tonight. We What's are drinking, it called? We're drinking Judy Garland's. What? Yes. Uh, a Judy Garland is vodka and Sprite, with a drop of grenadine. Now, I mentioned this tasty. to my wife, who, without missing a beat, said, oh, it's a Shirley Temple with alcohol. And yeah, of course it is. Uh, yes. Um, I don't know if that's <laughs> in poor taste, but a hard Shirley Temple. Wizard of Oz was originally supposed, uh, Dorothy was supposed to be, they wanted Shirley Temple to play the mm, role. Yes. She was in another studio, and back in the day, everyone was under contract with their individual studio. Right. She, they couldn't get her out of her contract. Just like Pierce Brosnan with James Bond. With James Bond, right? Yeah. Or uh, what's the, Lazenby, right? Wasn't that, I don't know. Um, I don't know. So I liked Lazenby. Me too. Yeah. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Was Very a good underrated. One. About the film. same time, no, a little later than a little this later. record. Yep. Wow. One of the things that jumped out at me uh, in general about this record, I wonder if you felt similarly, the crowd oh. was like they were at a football game. Yes, they were. I have never heard a live audience quite like this one, certainly not for a review like a big band jazz standard no. review for two hours. Now, I, I mean, what does she do, 30 songs in these two hours? Something like that, yeah. This is a real powerhouse. It is an evening's performance. It's like the length of a Broadway play or musical, and it is that kind of vibe. It is like a theater audience. Yeah. That's one of the things I think is really interesting about this record because... And she kind of calls it out because she's like, I only sing songs that are like these funeral dirges of these big rah-rah marching band songs. I want to sing some jazz. Yeah. And it's a beautiful jazz band. And it's an awesome jazz record, but it's fronted by a, an entertainer, a vaudevillian, yes. yeah. you know? And yep. so part of it, that audience feedback loop is, is enormous yeah. and not like a typical jazz show. She's an entertainer. She's not 
cool. You know, like she's not trying to be cool, and she spends a lot of time <laughs> self-deprecating. You yes, know? <laughs> yes, almost nonstop. Yeah, but they. Yeah, love but that's her. her. They love her, and it's oh her man, do they she calls love out her. her daughter Harold Arlen's and all these celebrities are there. Like yeah. it's like the biggest night, and everyone is psyched and loves her. And they are out of their minds. Out of their minds. When she says uh, towards the very end, "Oh, we'll sing them all," right? <gasps> Oh my God! It's like Tom Brady just won yeah. another Super Bowl or something. It's unreal. <laughs> yeah, and that energy is through this whole thing, and I feel like it really is mutual because you, you hear, hear people telling people to shut up. Yes. I mean, you you. This yeah. is so for me. This is a really well. Let's take one quick step back. Okay. I think like you. I had never even heard of this album. Never before. knew it existed. My cousin Chris. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, suggested it to us when we put out the call for people's favorite live albums. Yeah. And uh, we got a lot of fantastic suggestions, many of which we were already considering. Yep. Many some of, of which, which we're using. Right, some of which we're using and some of which uh, we were already going to use. Yeah. Um, this was the one... Some of them were like, uh, duh, yeah, of course, we need that one in there. Mm. This one was just like... Bruh? And he, he mentioned... Uh, so first off, thank you, Chris. Yeah. For this fantastic new piece of my world. I mean, how fantastic. Um, This is just very different than (laughs) any of the other records that we've done. It is very different. But I I couldn't help but think that there were very interesting parallels with the Jimi Hendrix album. Mm. You know, wow. So, well, I would like to hear that because on the way over, I was thinking about how different they were. But well, go they ahead. are wonderfully different. Yeah. In like musical genre, of course. Yeah. They number one, they fit the kind of category of live album of just a document, right? This yes. is literally every second of the entire show. Like right. even all the weird, awkward moments. Right. Uh, the many encores. <laughs> yes. This is before they started. Start. There are some cuts when uh, you know during intermission, uh, she comes out for a couple of encores and yeah. they cut some of the wait time. But other than that, you're hearing. Everything. That's right. And, and long they have to, stretches at times. Long stretches of pauses yeah. and clutter. Or right. Like people moving around and just like stuff. Like banter. And ban- uh, which is great. Yep. And so I really feel like I was there in a yep. way that I feel like I was there listening to the Jimi Hendrix record. So that's one thing that they have in common. And I feel like they're both entertainers that are really trying to like win over the crowd. Both Jimmy and Judy are very self-deprecating, very humble. Right. And very... Uh, conciliatory to the audience? No, conciliatory is like eager to please. Yeah. Both of them. Absolutely. Um, and, they're, and they're both mercurial talents. Yeah. Uh, uh, Judy, God, uh, what a strange career. I mean, you couldn't ask for different, even though they died almost at the same time. Yeah. Um, which I hadn't thought about until just now. Me neither. Um, the Hendrix album sixty seven. This album is sixty one. Oh, this album sixty one. She died in sixty eight. She died in sixty nine. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I thought she was. This, this? is sixty one. Okay. Um. Thank you. You're right. Uh, the difference for me, the the big differences in this album is that I, you could hear a little bit of the audience in yeah. Hendrix. But you're mostly left to kind of imagine what the result was. And you can sort of interpret a little bit of what the audience was like because of his banter with them. But you don't really hear their side of it. Where this one, this is like, this is my kind of recording. Yes. Because I can hear the whole room. Everything. You can, you can hear what, and Carnegie Hall is an acoustically fantastic place for something like this to happen. Yeah. Because 
since they let the mics run and since we get all the downtime between songs, you hear the room. And I don't mean just the people in the room. You hear, you hear the room. what it sounds like for the sound from the people to bounce off the ceiling and come back into the microphone. Yeah. And you get a sense of space. And I just had a much more complete picture um, of this to the degree and it makes sense to some extent, to the degree that I tend to get from a comedy album, a stand-up uh, album, right. more than a music album. Where it really is immersive. You feel like you're there. Yeah. You don't hear a lot of comedy albums where you're not hearing the audience's reaction. That's right. And, they, and both because of their sort of enthusiasm, especially late in this record, and because of all the downtime that we're given in the recording, mm -hmm. you just get more of that audience reaction so it was a much more immersive album for me in that sense. One of the interesting contrasts between the Jimi Hendrix album and this album is mm -hmm. that Jimi was at the beginning of his career. Right. Basically kind of proving himself for the first time. Yeah. Whereas, Standing up for himself. Yes. Yep. And being like, what's yep. up? This yep. is me. Whereas Judy is saying, what's up? This is me. But later in her career, yeah. after she's been through some shit. Yes. Quite more, a little bit more, I think you would say, yeah. than her fair share. Yes, indeed. Some self-applied. Absolutely. Course, well, when, uh, arguably. Yeah, and, right. Oh, I know. It's right. true. Right. Given that that dependency was probably started very early in her career when they were giving her amphetamines and barbiturates right. to keep her on set as long as possible. And just the just a life lived on in the world of auditions and... Uh, Crazy you know, Hollywood, man. Like far more unchecked misogyny than even today, obviously. Whoa. Yes. And um, you know, she was called the ugly one. Yeah. In the stable of stars, and but, she's been on stage yeah. since she was two. So I mean, that right there. Performing at two years old, <sighs> performing for six months yeah. in something at two years old is nuts. Is likely <laughs> to cause a, 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 an obstacle. Yeah, uh, a, a rumble strip of a, some sort. <laughs> that's a great. Along phrase. your life, I would say like a different a, a course adjustment that right. sends you on a course that maybe isn't a balanced and normal and stable one. Let alone being involved in the sisters and then having to separate from the sisters because she was better than them. That's got to be yeah very very difficult. She, yeah, she was swept up. Right. right, it was close to home. Like show business really kind of erased any other identity that she had in some ways. And you know this album has had me take a, a little bit closer look. I sort of always knew the general stories of Judy Garland, but I hadn't taken a very close look. And, yeah. you know, to find out things like these amazing oddities about her career, like she got an AFI Lifetime Achievement Award mm -hmm. in film at 39 years old. Incredible. <laughs> uh, and then she had a whole other kind of career after right. that. I mean, she flamed out for a while, and then she came back. And let's not go too far into this episode. She, you know, she's known for her film roles. Her voice is absolutely astounding. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. And I have to confess that, again, my first listening in this album, I thought, okay, this is broad. This is kind of cute. Right. It, it's it's very show businessy. It's very Hollywoody of the time. Um it's definitely like in that sweet spot of like the greatest generation kind of American songbook stuff. Yeah. And her voice was like, it's, it's, you know, I, I guess maybe for other folks who maybe had the first, first impression of this, like her voice is a lot to take. It is a yeah. weighty instrument. When I say intense, this, this is kind of an intense listening experience, partially because mm -hmm. it's long and partially because her voice, um, at least in first impression is pretty, pretty wild. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> but then I got to. <laughs> oh, it was you go to my head. When oh, she man. gets to go, you go to my head, and yeah. she. I forgot the, the gall dang words. words yeah. And then she kind of completely shanks the next line. I just. Yeah, she just scats the next line and then comes back yeah. in and is. And it's can, perfect. She comes can, back right. in perfectly. But you can also. She's not only perfect, but she's talented enough to get. I mean, first off, can we discuss. We've both sang in front of people. Yeah. When you go off the lyrics of a song to get back on track with those lyrics mid song is hard. That is acrobatic. Yeah. Mind work. It is. Let alone to come in perfectly. Yeah. In a slightly complicated rhythmic song as these songs go. Right. But you can hear the pride of having gotten back on track in her voice. You can hear her She's stronger than before. share it yeah. with the audience. Now, this is what absolutely amazing performers do all the time, right? Is they show vulnerability and they know how to handle vulnerability. But they're also smooth about it and graceful and still exactly. get, the, get the job done exactly. really well. They're not apologetic about it. They're Because they know that the audience is rooting for them yeah. all the time. And you can hear it. And so they know that when they get back on track, they don't have to be like, oh, sorry, I was off track. They, they get to be like, I'm on track again. Yeah. You know, like you can hear that in there. That's right. It's and, really cool. And she, like we talked about last time, she knows that live performance is ephemeral. She's a seasoned yeah. performer. So she's yep. like, a little flub's a little flub. I'm, I'm, it's not a, it, right. it's nothing. Right. It's nothing. And when I heard that, I was like, I'm in. Yes. Immediately. Yes. <laughs> to me, my my note, I mean, I fully bought in at that point, but I think my first inclina- inclination that this was going to be something very special came just a hair before that, Okay, which was coming out of This Can't Be Love. Uh, she tells a little story. Yes. And then... About the French hairdresser. Yes. So chic. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then she drops in to do it again. Yeah. And she has been this brass rainbow of music like out there yeah. like also almost ethel merman this in her, like, can't yeah. be love right so big yeah. right and 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 this massive band i don't know how big the band was but it's clearly a huge a, a big band 25 big band. 30 pieces yeah easy and uh she's i don't want to tell tales out of school to me she's dwarfing a big band yeah with her sound yeah right um, and then she comes in with Do It Again, it's and true. she it's just smolders. Honey. And, the, yeah. and, and the, the places that those two things need to be in their voice, let alone the fact that she does it for another 90 minutes after that. And various other numbers where she goes from huge right. to intimate, where you really feel like right. it's just you and her and a microphone. Yeah. She and sets nothing a, else. She sets a really cool set of expectations with that transition. And to me, I was like, Whoa. Yeah. Uh, just to be able to smolder, to use that place in your voice after having belted and w- just filled the room and dwarfed the big band, to me was like, this is a very special situation. Yes. Okay. Another parallel with the Jimi Hendrix album, right? Because they both have a lyrical oopsie. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, I know. I've, I've got the words. Don't worry about it. You know, and again, same thing. Like, that. Yeah. It's fine. We'll move on. That's true. That's a great point. I, I had <laughs> and I don't know. I, I think about when this album was made, the time that it came out. It was a huge, huge success. Right. It got a Grammy or a couple, a few Grammys. It spent it's 95 weeks. Yeah. Of Grammy of the, uh, record of the year. Yeah. First female winner of record of the year. 
for this for this exact album. Yep. Yep. And 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 uh, you know, ninety five weeks in the charts or whatever. Like, and and it, it was massive. Yeah. Uh, and it was right bef- still when jazz records and these kind of showbiz records were still like considered pop. But like right on the cusp, you know. The end. It's yeah, pretty much the very end. That's what you seems know, she, to me. She and Jimi Hendrix are the bookends of a massive transition shift, right? Yeah, there's a space of something in between them, which is like all what is it like? Happens. Brit invasion yeah, and British invasion. It's, yeah, this is pre-British invasion, exactly. Right. It's like right before. And and Hendrix is sort of the representative of ending that, in a way. Right. Yeah, and all of the cultural shift that happened as a right. result into and that it, '70s sort of dead and whatever else, sort of <laughs> leading the pop and rock. You know, rock-based, guitar-based music really run on the show. Yeah, I mean, there were other jazz records that were on the charts after this, but not many. I think the last number one was "Hello Dolly," mm. uh, Louis Armstrong, mm-hmm. and I know Vince Guaraldi "Cast Your Fate to the Wind" was on top forty, and that was late '60s. But then it. This is like the last time what, this take album five? Was could that? have that. Take five was 1960. Okay. Uh, but this is kind of the last time where this kind of record would be able to sit in that sweet spot. I mean, this is music that the people in the audience grew up like on Saturday evening playing around the piano in their homes yes. with their parents. That's right. Right? Yeah. Where you would go to a sheet music store and there would be a piano player sitting in the middle of the room and you'd take a sheet over to him and be like, hey, can you play this? Yeah. That's your, you know, that's your listening room. And he'd play through it and be like, oh yeah, I'll buy this one. Yeah. And not this one. And then you'd take it home. you take it home and, and you sing it along with After dinner, rather than, you know, there's no TV, there's there's radio, but maybe it's not the night with the, sh- you know, with Sherlock or whatever <laughs> your show is. <laughs> uh, the shadow knows. <laughs> right. And you'd sit around and, and play. I mean, I know, it's funny to get this from my cousin Chris because he's from my dad's side of the family and uh, my dad's mom was a music teacher in in Philadelphia and um, I have this amazing recording of my dad's dad singing uh, Silent Night uh, around the piano exactly that way. And I have a whole uh, disc that my aunt April uh, sent me um, of just the family playing music. Around the piano. That's wonderful. Yeah. I wish that would still be. I totally. try to get that happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's Sometimes a lot of, it works. There's a lot of iPads out there now. There was a lot it's of them. It's hard to... A lot of them have GarageBand on it, though, and that's That's true. Dope. So start there. That's true. Just do a little guitar strum with the different chords. Fair point. It's so easy. All right. Um, mentioning the recording of this album yeah. and how immersive it is, yeah. again, that's the another thing about this. Is it's 1962... It's not that easy to do, and it's an amazing stereo spread and an amazing stereo experience for that early. I tried oh, yeah. to research like what they used and how it was done. I couldn't find any technical information about Boy. how this was captured, but it is, for that time, incredibly, incredibly well recorded. Maybe that's why I was had a hard time even believing just now when you mentioned it, that it was 61. Yeah. Um, right, I had the April 23rd in my head because it's right around my birthday, but uh, the year left my mind. And it's it does. You're right. I I wouldn't have thought of that, but it sounds yeah more recent than that. And the Jimmy album doesn't sound this good. No. And many many most live albums don't sound this. Jimmy, good. the Jimmy album sounds clunky. Yeah, this. it does. This is a very alive piece of yeah. recording. The Jimmy one sounds like a field recording. In, yeah. In comparison. Yeah. 
And the band is captured beautifully. I couldn't I couldn't find any information about the band. Right. How many pieces? Who is in there? Right. Clearly, she has a friendship with the drummer. Yep. Yep. <laughs> is there anything else? Did she like marry a drummer? She, at one point? Oh, uh, yes, she did. Yeah. I don't know if he, that was who it is. Maybe. I couldn't find any information about the players. And one of them plays with his wallet. Yeah. I know that. <laughs> I assume that was the drummer. It's about because you know sitting on it. He's like, oh you, oh you do, oh. <laughs> but like that's a one of the. She does an amazing job, and yes, yeah, she kind of smokes the band, yeah. you know. Yeah. But they're beautiful. And oh there's God. A lot of really interesting arrangements on this, and I imagine that she had a lot to do with it. Apparently, this is through the '50s. She did a bunch of touring, but mm-hmm. it was very sort of vaudeville inspired. There were like other acts on there to do comedy and that sort of thing, okay. and then she would kind of come in and do some some kitschy stuff and then some songs. At this point, by now, she was like, "This is just a straight up concert." And then again at Carnegie Hall. Like it, it sort of lends itself to that, you know. It says her whole gag about the uh, striptease. Yes, <laughs> not a comedy. That wouldn't hall. look good here. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah. it is a straight up musical review, but there's like, it's really special, and she's really tight in the band, and, and she they do all these tempo changes and feel changes, mm-hmm. and I I'm curious. I have no information about how much she influenced, like. I imagine she, I'm sure she influenced the choice of material. A lot of them are like her big hits, mm-hmm. but how some of them were arranged and what the band did and how they work together. Like I would love. It's to remarkable. See it's it's very strange to me that this was not part of a tour. This was not like a penultimate night or. This was just one night, where they had. 30... It wasn't even a run at Carnegie Hall. Yeah, it wasn't. How did this even happen? Like, is that could that happen back then? I have no you idea. You just do want because this is a. I mean, you hear her working out stuff. You know, there is some question <laughs> as to what they're going to do when yeah. and who comes in first. She's do I leave? She's <laughs> writing. They're writing the show together as it goes, but it still just is obviously a stage full of very seasoned professionals. Oh my god, they sound great. Yeah. Everyone sounds great. There's not. There's very few s- instrumental solos, which right. You know, to a jazzer and in, in an instrumentalist. Is a little too bad. Yeah. But it's not about them. Nope. It's about her. Not tonight. And that's the thing is that she she has this voice and she has the expressiveness, but she also has the experience and the technical ability. Right. She is a full-fledged yep. ar- a musician, artist. Right. And that can't be denied. I mean, she was called a triple threat. She could sing and act and dance. And so she had all the goods. Right. But I feel like this album really puts that across in an understated way. And at the same time, she's so like excellent Mm, choice tasty in her musical choices she has this very kind of humble demeanor mm-hmm. apparently she was like super insecure like yes. as a result of her upbringing and right. being compared to all these starlets and being called the pig or whatever yep. um i mean in some ways i kind of help can't help but feel like she's a bit of like a proto-feminist you know like it's okay like i'm still up here i'm i'm amazing right. but i can feel this way about myself i don't have to oh, be like perfect that. yeah i don't have to be perfect i don't have to be poised you make a good point because she cracks at times. Yeah. There are errors you can hear on this record. And some of them are perfect. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're just sitting there and they just don't matter at all. Yeah. Uh, because for every crack, there's five astonishing vocal moments. And she's unapologetically herself. Yeah. Um, and I, in, in reading up on her, I know that there's, there's an asterisk next to that because, again, she really tried to ingratiate herself to the crowd. She was really kind of like... Not a, I don't want to say addicted because that has the negative connotation, but right. like uh, really wanted that audience feedback, really needed the validation. Yeah, uh, and she sure gets it. My God, <sighs> but she also earns it, and she's got the goods. So it's not just a needy simpleton out there like just milking the crowd. Right. Um, 
she's earning it every second. Very, very impressive. Yeah. And, you know, I, the track to track on something like this, I, I, I feel like th- we've already pointed out a few incredible moments. Um, I, I don't know. Wh- which, let's talk about favorite songs, maybe. Okay. Uh, yeah, and favorite transitions and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. a lot of the fun is the transitions. Um, you know, like, starting with an overture, it, <laughs> it, I have to comment, like, the percussion player is nuts. And, you know, like, there is some hyperactive, <laughs> like, it's like a Ren and Stimpy character sitting there behind the, the congas. And he just kind of comes out. I'm walking here. There he is again. <laughs> percussion player's bananas. I don't think I noticed him. I'll have to listen to him for the next time. Um, and, uh... Overture is a way to get the crowd warmed up and get them ready, and and uh, it's hard to know when she comes out exactly. Just it's like just in playing over the rainbow, instrumentally the crowd goes nuts. Goes nuts. Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, awfully cute, I think. Yeah. Awfully charming of them to have done. It's true. Um, I feel like you can hear when she comes out. It's not then. It's it's later. It's a little bit later. Yeah. And God, what a perfect first song. I, we said we were going to pick favorites, but we should talk about just that opening song, When You're Smiling, uh, The Whole World Smiles With You. We, we, talk, we always talk about first tracks. Yeah. And um, yet again, this is declaring herself very nicely. We've talked about her dependency on attention, and um, this is a awfully cute uh, and, and charming way to just say that out up front and say, listen, this is... I smile, and and when I do, you smile with me, and I'm about to do that for you. So that's great. Yeah, I go. hadn't think of, thought about it that way. I just yeah. saw this as a very broad, like you know, audience ingratiating. Right. We're gonna have a good time tonight. No, you can hear her smiling. Yeah, and you it's, can. It, it's just she does. She she really teaches a lot about singing on this too. You can hear a lot of the things that she does with consonants and fricatives, and how she forces them to obey the music while still being received by the audience yeah um in really cool ways and she, and and like many of the performers that i really admire you can hear the smile in her vocal and it and it starts broad and it has that wonderful midsection yeah where the, the the band mostly drops out and i just want to give a shout out to like again some of these songs are very broad and and uh i don't know whatever um I keep using that term, but what's the word I'm looking for? Like slightly schmaltzy, right? Right. Uh, from a generation, three generations ago. Yep. <coughs> God damn, because these writers rhyme. <laughs> yeah. Deceived, peeve, stout, pout, demeanor, subpoena. <laughs> <laughs> and there, and the humor in those, she sells. She's a comic. Yes. Every she, she's fully a comic as she goes through all these. And the writers are comics. Mm-hmm. And she gets the joke and she delivers the joke. She delivers the joke. Yeah. Really, 100%. really well. And so I don't want to sound like I'm bad-mouthing these songs. I love them compositionally. I, I love them as of beautiful course. songs. Yeah. But I want to make special attention to the lyrics and the absolute agility with which the rhyming happens and the joy... From a tasty, perfect rhyme. Yeah, I was listening to one of the one of the other podcasts I really love is the Conan O'Brien one. I know uh-huh. I shouldn't. As an independent podcaster, you're not supposed to like the corporate ones, but oh, I think I it's just fine. love him. Yeah, and he has a and he's hilarious and it's a wonderful. 
series of interviews, one of which was with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, cool. Who talks about rhyme and rap yep. and rhyme and musicals. Yep. And again, a lot of these songs are music from musicals or based on the of Broadway course, yeah. style, right? Yeah. And how he says that, like, in rap, uh, you... It's, it's about having a surprise and, mm-hmm. a, and a delight, but it's it's okay if you're, like, a little bit... You know, the rhyme isn't perfect. Like, the rhymes can be off a little bit. Right. However, in musical theater, like, it must yeah. be a perfect rhyme. Right. And so the real... One of the joys and, the like, the feats of artistic talent yeah. is, like, really working that perfect rhyme that, like, lands a joke. Yeah. You know, it's like what we used to do in improv when we were teach- learning how to do improv yep. songs. Like, you... Oh, if you're making up an improv song and you need a rhyme, you think of a word yep. that would be a good punchline for a joke, and that's your second line. That's the second line. And then line. the first yep. line yep. you set up with a rhyming word that then rhymes with that word that then sells the joke. Yep. And I and and I, I feel like these that's how these are written, and you can you can hear the craft yeah. of the songwriters with those just like yummy, hilarious, perfect rhymes. It was everything. It was, you know, you think about these. You think about that phrase, that's entertainment. This mm-hmm. style of entertainment that, like, now. There's a great one in that. Now. About the mincemeat, right? Right. Everyone ends up mincemeat. Like, it's awesome. The, the prince, the, 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 I don't remember. The prince meet, and everyone ends up mincemeat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just talking about Hamlet. It's like Shakespearean play. It's just. I feel like the one number in this record that really hits on what you're talking about is putting on the Ritz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's a there lot of great ones. A lot ones of really that. fun ones. I mean, there. and that's the thing is that like part of it is like how are you going to rhyme with that? Yeah. Or you start out something that's relatively simple and then you hit it with something like obscure. Right. You reminded me when you talked about the the rhyme schemes that we used to do in improv and, and thinking of the funny word as the second word. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, I think, I hope I'm not misquoting you, Brendan, but I think my buddy Brendan had taught me that uh, one of the things he learned at Berkeley was when you're writing a song, when you first get a, a a rhyme scheme that you're really excited about, that's actually your chorus, and not then you're gonna stick some verses around that. Like when you when you find a little sort of yeah. couplet or whatever it is structure that you really like, that's your chorus. Actually, you're mm-hmm. not you don't start writing it from the beginning like that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that's got to be the part that punches. It's the thing that you're chewing on. It's, yeah. the, the, it's your hook. It's your way in. Right. That's how I always describe a song. We're trying to write a song. It's like, I need my way in. Um, which, um, which song, when you weren't listening to this record anymore, which song crept back into your head the most? Oh, that's a good question. Because for me, it was very, it was very consistently um, her rendition of Stormy Weather. That was one of the two that I was going to think about. That that's really a highlight for me. That um, song... comes at the end of side three, technically. I yeah. mean, I was listening obviously on my phone, and so I was just sort of <laughs> plowing through. But um, that number really, really kind of blew me away. I it, I had a very strong emotional reaction to it. At least one of the times I was sitting at work and with the, my really nice headphones on, listening to it, and she is like a like a breath on your neck, but. And then in the next moment, she's in anguish. Yeah. I've never heard a more powerful version of that song, and there are other great versions. Or me neither, rather. Yeah. But many, she... many great versions of that song. A song I thought I knew, a, a song I thought I had fully met and had a complete and total understanding of, that after listening to her sing it, I realized I did not have a full 
comprehension of. I'm, she she brought new dimensions to that uh, song she for me. Did and and it comes with the weight of experience. Mm-hmm. I feel like I really feel like she again that vulnerability feels that yep. song. Yep, she lived. She that gives song. it, and it's like a confessional conversation of like you're you're having a heart to heart with a friend. Right. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I'd never heard another version. I love how small and intimate it was. It was one of those moments where I really felt like it was she and I. Yes, and nobody else in the world. Right. And it's really weird to say that with an album that starts with, why are you smiling? You know, like, right, right. totally almost an Al Jolson vibe in her voice. And I think after Stormy Weather, I could be wrong about this, but I think after Stormy Weather, you know what's amazing about that, actually? I did a little bit of reading, and I didn't put this together until I'm just looking at the track list right now. Zing Went the Strings of My Heart is a huge song in her life. Yes. Zing Went the Strings of My Heart was her first audition song. Yep. And so... Man, does stormy weather now even resonate more? The juxtaposition of those two songs. Putting it right after that. Yeah. Thinking back on her whole life. Wasn't that her, yeah, her initial audition? Yeah. She sang that. That was like the first song that anyone ever, and it was in the business, ever One of the few songs that would pop up in, in a lot of her shows, I think I had read. Right. Um, that it was kind of a signature number. So she's there, I mean, maybe she's right there making a statement like, hey, this is what you know me as, but let me actually reveal, let me be a little bit more vulnerable than that. Let me reveal stormy weather to you. Let me just put a new face on that song for you. And then just to think about the juxtaposition of the set list. So after that is the Dixie Melody song, which is like a wicked early vaudeville number that she used to do. So that's a, she's now vacillating back to right. like one of her really early songs, and then she follows that up with Over the Rainbow, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The ringer that you hear, of course, you know, played by the band five or six times. <laughs> and the and and let's talk about the journey of that song. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because, yeah. Uh, you know, the Wizard of Oz for me is like Brown Eyed Girl. It is a thing that I don't, I no longer need to see. If you say it, I have it, and I know it, and I'm fine. Right. Right. I I get what you mean. Yep. So Over the Rainbow comes on, and yes, uh, you know, in the overture, and okay, well, we're going to have obviously have to deal with a little bit of that. This is Judy Garland's big night. Um, and then, isn't it referred, oh no, it's referred to again later in the encores. It's the encore music. I mean, it's her signature song, so right. it, it's in the beginning, too. Uh, you so know, it starts, mentioned. she starts into Over the Rainbow, and, you know, I think, I'm guessing, like me, you were sort of listening for the young girl in her voice, right? Listening for the original, I mean, it's burned in my brain. I can hear her sing it in the movie well, so bit easily. A, bit of a Joni Mitchell vibe, right? You know, where you hear both sides now, now from the other side. Right. And that's how I approached this song when I was listening to her do it. I'm like, this is 30 years on from... Well, no question. But you, you're listening not for that girl, 25. and it's it's there a little bit. A little and bit. It's, it's little, the same little bit person. Not. It's the same person. That, and so you start to sort of be like, all right, well, yeah, this is, uh, wow, yeah, this is all right. And then she starts to go into the ending with that build. Yeah. And there's a little falter somewhere along the line, which is so endearing as she powers up and just lands this song like some kind of Olympic gymnast. I mean... Yeah, it is the total, unbelievable yeah. dismount out of this song and just arms up Megan Rapinoe, you know, <laughs> like a Rapinoe, excuse me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's staggering. 
And it's really it, tight. Like, she, there's no intro. She just starts. Right. And then the outro is really quick, too. I mean, it's literally the band just going into the vamp. Right. It's in, in, in a different key. It, it just it shifts gears immediately when she's done. Right. Now, let's talk about this aspect of that, right? So, she starts it very mellow, more mellow even than from the movie, right? Oh, yeah. And she ends it with this massive flourish bigger than the building she's in. That's and she nails both both aspects of that. We talked earlier about how hard it is to be brassy and big and then smolder. Yeah. Now she's done both of those things in the same song and she's been singing for 90 minutes yeah. prior to this. Mm-hmm. It's unreal. It's it unfathomable to it me. Shows, I don't know yeah. how long the intermission was. But come so, on. But but it, still, it's it doesn't not going to be long enough. No. <laughs> To, to take away staggering. from what she does. It's fine if you don't want to think about all these things, yeah. but when you start to factor these things in, you start to understand why something like this was called the greatest night in show business history. Right. Don't think about that if you don't want to, but I feel like that's part of what we're here for, is to be like, right. check this out. Right. Absolutely, and reflect on what an accomplishment it is. Yeah. But then let's not forget some of the earlier ones. So. No. So you mentioned Do It Again. Yep. Love, love, love Do It Again. Not a song I really knew. I didn't know it at all this. before this. Yeah. And it's, it's... Love it. Puts it across so well, and then literally immediately after, she's like, I have a frog in my throat. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> right. Oh, how ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And then right into the ridiculous, you go to my head, which yep. that uh, lovely lyrical flub. So slight music nerd moment here. Please. I know in previous episodes I talked about how I wanted to demonstrate or explain the difference between straight time and swung. Yes. And this song in itself is a perfect example because oh, it starts with Latin time, do, 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 you know, da, 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 and then about you can mark it at minute. Uh, it's at uh, time stamp one twenty two. It switches to swung when the whole band comes in. And it's like yeah, da, na, 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 na. totally. It's kind of the you can sense the feel change. First one is straight time. Every beat has the same value. Then the band comes in. It's bap boodap boodap boodap. It's not bap 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 bap. It's bap boodap boodap. You know, it's like there's a there's space in there. The notes boodap boodap. It's like it's swung. The notes are shifted off of each other, and that is jazz, man. And the first half is like Latin, and then it switches to jazz. And she. I just have to say again, there's this is just one example of how many of those like tonal and feel shifts happen through this key changes that yeah. she is just like wham right. on it so much. And I don't know. That's another thing that I think about is it's like, I don't know, 25, 30 piece orchestra, maybe 40. It's hard to tell. Um, like how much rehearsal time did they have? Yeah. If this is a one it's shot staggering. deal. Right. Like this. I mean, they're all top of their form professionals, but this is tight. Material. This isn't just like phoning in, kind of just doing some stuff. It's 30 carefully crafted, carefully arranged, beautifully arranged pieces where everyone has to be there for each other. And they are nonstop. Without a single flaw. And she might have cracked here and dro- and gone off her lyrics there, but she's never lost. And there's a lot of microphone business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's plosives, like she pops peas and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like knocks into things and it, it makes me wonder like what's she doing right now? <laughs> is she dancing? This is like- what I'm saying. It's so much more immersive <laughs> yeah. than than the Hendrix record. Yeah. Um <laughs> Alone Together's not really coming up in my head. Yeah. Um Boy, putting on the Ritz is super fun. Again, a, a, another song that I sort of feel like, uh-huh. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Pomple Moose. 
Oh, yeah. And they do a lot of really interesting covers and sure. really fun stuff. And they did a putting on the Ritz. Mm. And that song fools me every time. Every time putting on the Ritz starts, I think, I don't bother hearing this. This is a cute song and everything. I'm fine. And by the end of the song, I'm 100% in. And part of that is the rhyme schemes that we were talking about before because they're really fun and really impressive. Yeah. Um, but uh, often it's just the performers, and certainly it's the case here. Even when it's not Peter Boyle. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Well, for me, it's the taco version. That's the first version I ever heard of this was, if y'all blow, and you know the one from oh, the early 80s? Yeah, yeah, totally. They're really funky kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the first wow, version of this I, I ever not heard that in a long like time. a million dollar trooper. Yes. So, but I knew that this was a standard, and it was just one of those songs. I love the, how she describes it as a striptease. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a striptease. I love the moaning sax. That was I was the thing I was calling back to uh, last week in the Jimi Hendrix album. The bending of the strings, mm-hmm. it's the moaning of the sax. You know, mm-hmm. like wow, that's like that's the blues. Yep, coming at you right there in this very Broadway kind of vibe. Um, and then it's like this tight up tempo number. It's like not what I think of striptease. You know the song that I think is a striptease song in this album? Tell me. It's friggin' San Francisco. San Francisco. Yes. <laughs> she is going for it. Yeah. She is seducing that city. Yep. It is ridiculous. Yeah. It's I mean, really I don't funny. think she's any more seductive at any point <laughs> other than do it again, but certainly Oh, yeah, that's uh, true. Do it yeah. again. Is beautifully seductive. But one comment on Alone Together, uh, a wonderful title, just by yep. the way. Yep. Um, I particularly love the arrangement in this one because it is one of the subtler ones, and there's moments where you hear like the strings in one channel and then the woodwinds in the other mm. channel, and they're kind of going against each other, and like that's the kind of thing that I just feel like is care and Blast. craft yeah. that's put in, in here uh, that is, it's just not phoned in. You know, It's like people at the top of their game. So let's see, putting on the Ritz. How long has this been going on? That's one of the ones that always comes up again for me when you're asking which ones come back yes. in your mind between listens. How long has this been going on is one. Because this morning, that, that song really, I don't know why, I had sort of skated past it. Um, there's a lot of versions of that song that I really enjoy. Um, but I heard something a little bit new in that one this morning as well. That that's one of my favorites as well on this, as well as that's entertainment, which closed out the first act. Right. Oh, it opens the second, I think. Right. Oh, San is Francisco, that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. Th- I love how long this has been going on, and this is another one I feel like she lived. You know, yes. this is another one that she puts her heart and soul out for yep. you. Yep. She lived this song, and I I really feel that in the way that she puts the lyrics across. Did you ever see Hands on a Hard Body? Yes. This I album did. reminded me of that movie because that movie uh, gave me a, a, an impressive sense of the stamina that it took to live through that event. Uh, that's true. They do a good job of that. And this record provides me an impressive amount of sense of the stamina that it took, not only for her and the band, but for the audience to get through this particular journey. It is a full evening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a full evening. We'll stay here all night. <laughs> ah! They go crazy. They're like, yes, we will do it. We will stay here. <laughs> so then that's entertainment after the intermission. So th- that's entertainment is one of the, the standouts for you. I love it. A thing about second acts. So uh, I confess that over the years I've written a few musicals. Um, 
One of which, Tim, you were in, and I don't think that was the easy ex- experience, and I apologize for that. Oh, um. no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I don't think that uh, any piece of what you provided that situation was the cause of what... <laughs> it was just a tough time in my life. It, yes, it yeah. was an intense time for all of us. Yes. Um, but then that... My high school theater teacher came to see that show. It was called Duplex. It was reviewed in the Boston Globe as... Entertaining and intermittently fabulous. So there you go. Boom. Um, I know, intermittently fabulous. Was that our performance? Yes. Oh, great. My high school musical music teacher, uh, excuse me, theater teacher, Michael McGarty, came to see it. And then years later, as he was retiring, he was like, I want to go out with a bang. Uh, I want to do something a little bit offbeat. Let's do your show. Gave me a bunch of revisions. Right. Um, and... Like it's a, it's sort of a domestic. I wanted to do like a domestic bedroom drama, but as a musical. Um, act two starts with this sort of very mellow number where people are kind of getting out of bed, and it's supposed to be about people like trying to regain, go back to their normal life after like an intense experience has happened, and like ugh, just going through the drudgery of it. Complications. And so we did that. Yeah, complications. And so we did the show at my high school, and then. Um, um, Mr. McGarty, I can't help but still call him Mr. McGarty. <laughs> and I went out for dinner at where used, Johnny D's used to be. You know, uh, Johnny now it's D's. just some building. I don't know what I saw it last week, and it's like it's as if it was never there, which is yeah. very sad. But he's like, let me tell you all this stuff <laughs> about your show. He's like, Act Two, don't start with that kind of like slowly getting ramped up again. Like you gotta right. come back and hit it hard yeah. because people have already been at the show for a while. You gotta make people scared to. Be out of their seats. Yeah, you got to shift them quickly back yeah. into the mode of the show. Right. Also, because they have been out of it for a few minutes. Right. And their ears have kind of settled down, and right. they're kind of having another drink, and they're, they, they've brain shifted. They've checked and their phones. They probably returned a work email or two. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. And um, the, you don't have the same time allowance yeah. that you had at the beginning of Act One. Right. And so you have to like get right back in there. And so that's what I think of when I hear that's entertainment. Because sure. she is knows that she has no time to lose. She has to win them back immediately and win them back big. Time to go. Yeah. Yep. And that's entertainment, I feel like, has a kind of nostalgic uh, golden age of Hollywood kind of vibe in it that she was a central part of. Yeah, I mean, that's entertainment refers to all of it. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, it refers to the triple threats, the movie musicals, the... Stage, screen, silver, is talkies. I mean, it, 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 vaudeville, all of it. That entire sort of world of performance. Yep. That that's what that's entertainment is about. That she was a part of forever. So she owns this song in a way that I feel like few singers would, because she's she was there at the center of what she's singing about. And then I don't know another really funny self-deprecating moment after that, right? She tells that story about the journalist, the, <laughs> the British journalist. And you know, Frank, this is another like sign of the times because after listening to that, I was like, okay, Judy Garland, 1961, Google Images. Like, she looks great. Yes. So fuck that British per- reporter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's perverse. And yeah. he also, like... That sucks. And and that sort of stuff obviously still happens on the internet. The internet is rife with assholes complaining that people are fat or whatever. Right. Seems like it's not done by traditional journalists as much anymore. Uh, one would m- like to assume one that, One would yes. like to assume that yeah. things have changed since then. Um, right. But I think now at this point, that's like the yeah the bread and butter of <laughs> the comment class. She's really so funny. I mean, she's such a good storyteller. And why wouldn't she be? Of course, she's lived her whole life telling stories. Yeah. But um, 
the hairdresser story and the, the reporter story and just I know every little thing that she decides to talk about. I mean, she spins it into a yarn. She talks about going to parties and people ask her to sing. Like, of course, yeah. she's the center of any party. And you're on the edge of your seat, even as she just sort of, you know. And and what's funny about it too is it's like a, it's like a a, a scene set in front of the curtain so that you can do a big uh, stage sweep. You know, Ooh, so yeah. you can set a different set. Right. Right? It, it's just her, like, giving herself some time to not be singing so she can gear up and do another pack of songs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, massive songs. She's like, all right, I'm just going to talk for a little bit and take a little bit of time. She just talks talk amongst yourselves and stuff like that. I mean, it's just very <laughs> impressive. I'm going to get a drink of water. <laughs> what a show person she is. Yeah. She needs a little time. She takes a little time. She tells a little goofy story. It's the same as any folk musician who needs to tune and tells a story to cover the tuning. Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's like we talked about last time. Yeah. I was walking to the beer <laughs> store. <laughs> right, right, right. It's the same kind of thing. But man, she just pulls it over. Uh, she sounds on stage like eyes. she's in her own living room. Yes, you know she yeah. sounds so comfortable up yeah. there, and there's no pretense or artifice about her persona on stage. So I know we've talked a lot about a bunch of the songs in the second act, as I'm calling it. Yep. A um, couple other things to call out: "Come Rain or Come Shine" is a very common sort of American songbook standard. But this is a very, again, very different arrangement than any I've heard before hmm. about from this song. Okay. Which I usually hear as a ballad, and this is the one usually that smolders in the mm-hmm. versions that I've heard. I'm gonna love you like nobody's love you. This is right. like a torch song. Yes. But she turns it into this like crazy, this is like perk guy extraordinaire, the percussion dude. Like nobody's love you. And she's just singing acapella over the percussion player for the right. first and then it's really up tempo yeah which i had never heard before hmm. and so this is another place where i feel like she's like i'm gonna do that one we're gonna do a little different you mm-hmm. know like mix it up give it some ex- extra sauce uh, it, again it's a you know you need to keep the tempo up for the second act too, right but i just I, I had to note that this was a clever arrangement for a song that i'd always ever heard of as a ballad or a torch song what an incredible showman yeah then Zing Strings of My Heart, Stormy Weather, Dixie Melody. And then she kind of brings it on <laughs> And then after, so I'm assuming that she is completely ready for the most part for all of these encores, and all of them are baked in, right? I would assume. Um, so really, like, the official last song is Over the Rainbow. Yep. But not really, because they play the Over the Rainbow vamp before that. Right. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I'll sing them all, you know, I'll, I'll sing them all and stay all night. Yeah. We've got two more. Yeah. Well, that's even before that. This is after Dixie Melody. She's like, okay, okay, I, I, you know, I'll sing them all. Then she does Over the Rainbow. And then she does, at this point, right before Over the Rainbow, you hear like 20 people call out for her to sing Swanee. Yeah. And then she does Over the Rainbow. And then she gives them Swanee. Right. Which is, I feel like at this point she's tired She's leaving it all out on stage. She's yeah. exhausted. She's been at it for a long time, and she's working harder than she has the whole night. And they're supporting her. They're lifting her up. Yeah. It's classic vaudeville. There's, like, mic bumps everywhere. She's clearly moving all over the stage. Yes. But she still sticks it. That's the yeah. thing that's amazing. There's is nothing wrong with she's it. She's tired. Yep. She's been working for two hours. Yep. But she's, like, pitch on. Yep. Like, energy on. Yep. Words on. Everything on. Firing on all cylinders. Uh, Don't so when you if you're digging into this album for the first time like Peter and I were uh, when we met it. Don't let yourself 
just get complacent with the listening, right? Like, don't forget what it is that's actually happening here. This is not a studio situation. This is a one-off live performance that they are sorting out on stage. They, they, one minute at a time, minute they, to they disagree at times, not disagree, but they sort out at times, several You're negotiating. times, who's going to start. Oh, yeah. no, uh, no, not that. <laughs> you hear her say stuff like that. I love that. that. One, two, one, yeah. two, three, two, yeah. two. It works. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I know, it's true. Right. I mean, there's clearly a rough set list. Right. Song order. Right. And then there's some variation from that, and there's some little hiccups about who's going to call it off. So it makes me think that, like, they didn't rehearse that much. Couldn't have. Yeah. This, it, I don't even get the sense that the nine guys she pulls down for the jazz section yeah. of the evening, I don't get the sense that they were even ready. <laughs> I feel, I like, feel huh, like she what? just was oh, like, now? here's okay. what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then it just takes a while. And it just shuffles. And I want to figure just, out, what is, is well, how is that stage layout? So yeah. The big I, bandstand. And, and then that's like a little, the kind of, yeah. that is my favorite. Yes. That's why I love radio dramas. That's what's always that little tickle in my brain of like, so what's I've, I got to try and algebra out based on what I can hear mm-hmm. what was happening on this stage. That's why you like comedy albums too. I feel totally, like to a certain extent totally. you, you want to imagine what the comedian is doing, like a oh. like a good Steve Martin record. I can, there's nothing better, and nothing makes me chew. Nothing makes my mind chew like. Uh, you know, the, the comedian delivers a joke, yeah, gets a laugh, and then you just hear silence, and then the audience all of a sudden at once just goes like, ah, oh, something. You're like, what was happened? it? I know. Wow. <laughs> what was it? And we had talked briefly about doing a stand-up album as part of the live album set, right? I mean, we're sticking to music pretty much, but there is music to some stand-up and stand-up albums have an incredible live feel to them. No question. Yeah. Yeah, We're still going to have to sort that out. We have most of the season nailed down. There may be a surprise in there. Um, So then Swanee, yeah, she's laying it all out there, like sweats all over the stage. Uh, Then it's after you're gone. Again, just another big one. They're all huge. After you're gone is what we decided to, to cover later tonight. We'll do a different version of it than what she did, but, um, that's a song I've loved for a long, long time and, and was almost, as I sort of perused this before diving into it for the first time, seeing that towards the end was this like, oh, that'll be great. I yeah. love that song. And like you were saying about don't, don't sleep on this album as you're listening to it, maybe just come back with fresh ears and just start at Over the Rainbow. Because it's... I did that several times. Yeah. Or start at a couple, you know, start at Stormy Weather. Start at Stormy Weather or and Zing. Go through. Because, wow, yeah. it's as tight and strong. I, it makes me think of like the end of Exile on Main Street and why you're just like done by the yep. time that album ends. But it's yep. like, well, there's a couple of really cool songs towards the end. Right. Um, so you, you, the ear fatigue is real. Uh, attention spans are real. Come back and like drop the needle towards the end of the record. No question. And then ending with Chicago. <laughs> she's still got subtle techniques <laughs> in that final song. Two hours in. Bent notes and like that, uh, 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 you know, just yep. like the little things that she's doing. Doesn't sound any less high quality than the first moment that she comes on stage. And it's silly and it's Unreal. broad, but there's still fun technical stuff. And at the same time, it's like she's really putting across with so much like oomph and emotion and and 
desire to please the crowd with every last drop of blood, sweat, and tears she has. So she occupies this space in American culture, right? Way up near the top in this particular way. Yeah. Um, entertainer. And listening to this album, I-, I acknowledge where she is. I don't dispute where she is, but listening to this album makes me think that as a singer, she was underrated. Yes. I, I could see that. Uh, now, that partially, that's just because I was too dumb not to know this album yet. <laughs> but And that she had a bunch of other albums and other Grammys. She, right. This she is had a whole, whole recording career right. after her movie career. Yeah. This is a whole dimension of hers that I was, you know, if you asked me a month ago before we started looking at Judy, 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 is Judy Garland a good singer? Obviously, I mean, oh, of course, yeah, she's great. She's iconic, whatever. But I didn't know how goddamn good she was. Like, every tool you need. Just full musician. Surgeon's sort of skillfulness. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I would have really, frankly, just attached her to uh, Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know much about her apart from that, except all the stories and stuff. And I think I've seen a couple of the other movies. Maybe. And I think most people would, uh, maybe along with Stars Born. Yeah, right. Right. But really, Wizard of Oz, I mean, that was a big part of my childhood. You know, right. like back when it was just TV and yep. like it, they would play Wizard of Oz once a year. Mm-hmm. And I'd get a Swanson TV dinner my mother would make. <laughs> the, the, the Salisbury steak. Yep. Um, TV, TV tray up until 11.30 watching Wizard of Oz. I feel like Wizard of Oz was also one of the first movies that people bought when VCRs became a thing because it was like oh well if you can get the Wizard of Oz played anytime you want you gotta See, get that any, yeah that's Every, the first somebody's choice. gonna bring a kid over here someday right if not my own so let's get that so Wizard of Oz was one of the first things that you could just see anytime you wanted yeah amazing yeah Um, and so and that was a beautiful and pure voice. And I think, you know, no matter how much we've heard Over the Rainbow, like you were saying before, it's still a beautiful song. Of it's course. It's one of the most beautiful songs in 20th century music, frankly, in my yeah. opinion. Um, there was some but it's, recognition that Over the Rainbow got, well, Academy Award for Best Original Song, Judy Garland's signature song. But Judy Garland's in her 40s. Yeah. And you hear the age in her voice. It's not right. the same kid like you were saying. But man, she's just so adept and so skilled. It's just a life on stage. It's a life from two years old up until... Whew, the recording... Of- here it is. The Recording Industry Association of America and the National Endowment for the Arts. Heard of them? Yeah. Um, they ranked it number one on their songs of the century list. Can't argue. The AFI named it the best movie song on the AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs list. Ooh, I'm going to have to look at that list. So two for two... Yeah. The best song. Okay, so a couple other people agree with me. Cool, cool, right. cool, cool, cool. Right. Um, awesome. So, <laughs> well, and we we sure get our fill of it while this damn encore vamps in this in but this it, show. It holds. It holds as much it, as I want to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still by the end of it, you're like, wow. And some of them are long. They let you sit in that vamp for a long time. Yeah. As she's working her way back to the stage or whatever, and yep. then like you know, I think shaking it. You see pictures where she's like. It, Interacting with the first couple rows and everything, and you just have to leave it to your imagination. Right. And this is an incredible imagination capturing album. Not exactly. an everyday album. Nope. No. Not you know, so like maybe on the on the list of the season that we're doing, this is probably not the one I'm gonna dip back into the most. But I'm, I'm really glad we did it. Yeah, me too. And and I have a feeling so I, I'm not sure to this point 
that I've been as intimidated by an album as this one. Like, how do I even <laughs> work yeah. through this? Right. Um, and it's not one that I dove into quite the way I did others. Now, it's probably the one I knew the least about going in. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a factor. But um, I would not be surprised to see this pop up a little bit more often. I, I tend to agree with you overall, but I, I think I might I think I might use this album a little bit more. Yeah. Well that no doubt. Yeah. And I had a fun time listening to it with, with Lyra, my daughter, and mm. you know, like talking about this is the same woman that was in Wizard of Oz. I'm doing a little of that yeah. with Enzo. Enzo right. hasn't seen the movie yet, mm. but um he knows the story. He's got a book, record nice. on you know, yeah. read along storybook and they read it in school. They read like the original version with the not the slippers that were not ruby. They were like glass. Yeah, they're like glass or yeah. silver or something and, like that. They did the ruby to make them pop. So he he's very into the story right now, mm-hmm. and um, so that was fun. Just play the version of Over the Rainbow for him because he knows the song and he's singing all the Wizard of Oz. Songs. Oh, nice. Yeah, but that's really the point is that she's so much more yeah. than Over the Rainbow yeah. and Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and yet that alone is significant enough yes. that you would pay to see making. her sing that. Totally. Right? But, Just here, that. but here she is with this massive arsenal Oof. of unbelievably finely honed skills. Yeah. And does, and earns her place. Imagine yeah. what she could have been with uh, you know, emotional support and oh a lack of addictions. I or, know. I mean... <laughs> a few more years, anyway. Right. right. Wow. So... I I don't know. I hope I hope you liked it. I hope you you dug it. Hope you enjoy. Hope yeah. you enjoy uh, our cover. We're gonna leave you with uh, after you're gone. We should mention how to get in touch with us if you have some thoughts, some comments, questions, or concerns. Uh, you can get us at nine three seven Pete Tim. You can get us at Record Time Pod or at Facebook.com slash Record Time. Um, record Time Podcast at Gmail. If We've been trying school. to share, uh, you know, little musical moments that kind of cross our fancy over on the Facebook page. Maybe tweet about them a little bit. Yeah. Um, a very fun thing that I ran across and, and tweeted out through the Record Time Pod uh, handle about. Did you see the 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 selfie sleeves or whatever? I can't remember exactly what the hashtag was, but if you look at the uh, Record Time Pod feed, you'll you'll see it. People are like uh, taking covers of albums oh, yeah. and you know like working them into a scene. Yeah, uh, you know if it's a face, they'll put it over their face or whatever and make it match. And uh, some of them are really really fun. Yeah, they're really funny. Um, I know, and Sully did a few of them. That's right. Yeah, he did a few <laughs> on the like, spot. Good for you. You still have some he's, vinyl. Well done. He was fast. Yeah, he I was won. impressed. <laughs> so, all right. So, next time. Oh God, I don't even know what. Next what are we doing time, next time? Next time is I feel like the sleeper, so you're you may not know it, you may not have ever heard of it. Okay, but it is the sleeper monster blockbuster of this season. And again, we have lots of awesome stuff ahead. But number three is it going to be a total surprise? It's the frames. Oh yes, set list. Yes. Who are the frames? Who are the frames? I'm not going to give you a lot, but I'm going to say if you've heard the name Glenn Hansard, yeah, from the movie and musical Once, yeah, it's his band. From before the that. Irish Lin Manuel Miranda, <laughs> and just <laughs> if you've listened this long to us talking about Judy Garland, yep. then I can only hope that you will just trust that this album is fucking awesome. Yeah, this is a really 
raunchy, not raunchy. This is a really rattling, bouncing room to be in. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, yep. Textured, yes. nuanced. It's just, it's one of my favorites. I'm so, really looking forward to that. Listen to Judy again. Yep. Go through and then dip into set list by the frames and we will be back soon. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will see you next time. And here comes after you're gone. On record time. Talk to you soon. pal that you've ever had there'll come a time now don't forget it there'll come a time when you'll regret it someday when you grow lonely your heart will break like mine and you'll want me only after you've gone after you've gone away